Alrighty, welcome back, folks, to Zupi, the Autotelic Mindset Podcast. Here with Lisa uh, Dejong, uh, Canadian, 2022 Beijing Paralymp- Paralympic silver med- medalist in the sport of snowboarding. Um, but more importantly, she is um, a mother of two young ones, right? Two young, two little ones. Yeah, yeah, a five ones. and a seven-year-old. Uh, and a wife, um, and I think it's uh, important to bring that up uh, to light because I think with uh, these Olympian athletes, sometimes the sport can overshadow, you know, those who are parents uh, because that's, I think, a sport in itself, um, if you may. So um, we're going to get into that and how you balance being a high-performance athlete with a family life, with a social life, and we're going to bring it all together. So I'm excited to have you on board, and I can't wait to uh, get get it going. Um, so yeah, let's just from what I see here, like it seems you were as soon as you could walk and talk, you were right into the the outdoor skiing, snowboarding. So um, walk us through a little bit of your early the early years of your childhood with regards to um, obviously you had a surgery, um, yeah. and how that evolved um, into. Dealing with some obstacles and then getting into uh, the sport of snowboarding. Yeah, for sure. So when I was born, I was missing growth plates and an ankle joint in my left leg, which wasn't really discovered until I was close to three. So my parents made the decision to amputate my left foot. Um, I was the youngest of four, so... Uh, I just kind of had to do whatever all the other kids were doing. So we were a ski family, grew up on a ski hill. So when I was three, as soon as I could be fitted with a leg, I was thrown on skis. (laughs) And I loved being out there. Um, Small town Saskatchewan. It was a really small hill. And one day I saw someone snowboarding and I just, it just blew my mind. I thought that is the coolest thing. I'm going to do that. So so I went and rented a snowboard and strapped it on, and it was not as easy as this guy made it look that I had seen <laughs> going down the hill. But I was determined, so I, I practiced, and I took lots of lessons, and it took me a little while to get going, to get the balance down, and then after that, I was gone. I was surpassing my friends, and I was out there every weekend. I did my instructor's course when I was 16 and taught the younger kids at the hill, and it kind of just went through there, and I carried always carried the snowboarding on. It was just such a sense of freedom getting on the board and just being one with it and riding down the hill. That's awesome. I find the more I talk to Paralympians and um, kind of hear more stories, I feel like you guys are a special bunch where you kind of own, you know, you know, your being a Paralympian, you own what, you know, what has happened or um, what has, you know, the universe has presented to you with, you know, being an amputee, uh, and you guys really own it um, as athletes, I find. It's not so much a hindering stigma um, as as some might think it would be. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, but I find uh, learning um, and talking to the, the Paralympians, it's it's just who they are and it's part of them. And I admire admire that, that about them. And it's nothing holds you guys back. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems like this snowboarding was ingrained in you. Was there any other sports that you played growing up as well. Obviously, snowboarding be a winter sport, anything in the summer that you were involved in as well? Um, not really any official sports. I've always loved horseback riding, so 
in the summer, I just like to escape into nature, whether it's hiking or riding horses out yeah. in the forest, out in the quiet, anything active I'm up to go do. That's exciting. So you just like the out, outdoors is kind of the name of the game for you, it, se it seems like. Yeah. So with regards to snowboarding and the and being a Paralympian, so I know Paralympian, Olympian, every sport is different with regards to the qualifi qualification process, which is why I always ask because people just are usually not familiar with how you actually qualify for um, these events. So maybe let us know how for snowboarding, how does you guys uh, qualify to make the Olympic Games? For sure. Yeah, you're right. So every every team is different on how it's done. For us, it's um, it's based off the World Cups for the season and the season before where, where your results are. But then ultimately, it's up to the board of Canada Snowboard, the coaches, the high performance managers to decide um, if you're going to make the Paralympic team. They'll kind of go off where your results are. Uh, but also where your drive is and where they see your potential coming from, where kind of your curve is going, and they'll base it off that as well. Okay. And then also, I'm like still learning too with regards to, there's different like different categories. You had like a slalom. Um, there's another one you do as well. Uh, yeah, so we have two categories. We have snowboard cross and we okay. have bank slalom. Okay, and maybe run me through what the difference is and how those how each kind of work. For sure. So, so the bank slalom course is kind of what it sounds like. It's it's a slalom going down at high speed. Um, all the turns are banked, so you're actually using that G-force to stay up on the turns as you're going around, and that's always run individually, or it will be run. They'll build um, two twin courses, and you'll run down two at a time, but you're on your separate course. So it's more of an individual one, where the snowboard cross is four athletes across going down the hill, going around berms, going over jumps, trying not to run into each other, trying to cross the finish line first. And so that, one? that one's by far my favorite. It's the was, most exciting one to do. I was just going to ask which one is kind of your favorite. <laughs> that one seems pretty, pretty intense. It's nice to go to an event, though, to kind of have both, I would say, just to, yeah. you know, have a little bit of balance, a balance there. So that sounds, I like, I like the sounds of the second one, just a little bit more, a little more gritty and a little more intense I guess you would say with yeah. having the other competitors around you there um that sounds like yeah sounds a lot of fun I have as a kid I grew up just in the Durham region here in Ontario and I can't say we had any any kind of hills like you guys have out, out there so uh, yeah my skiing and snowboarding career was um very short short-lived per se Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so going into like, like, like I was saying to the audience and people who are going to be listening here, like high performance athletes, we always hear the saying, you know, eat, sleep and train, um, which I'm sure you can <laughs> attest to, um, yeah. throw in a family life of, you know, two kids. Um, yeah. how does, how do you manage, manage that and, you know, keep everything balanced and you're focused when it needs to be at home, at home, when it needs to be out on the course on the course and everything yeah. in between that how do you keep that in check and in line that you're the best athlete and the best mom possible right well I I think everyone has a different approach to that everyone's more comfortable with their balance board looking a different way and for me I've had the most success with um if I'm away training and competing I really need to get into that mindset and 
my board is really going to be leaning that way while I'm away. And um, Zoom has really been a game changer. Being able to talk to my family, my kids, my friends while I'm away gives me that little bit of balance back into back into the family side of things. But um, I find it's kind of the opposite then. When I go back home from training, I'm really focusing on my family and I'll just block out sport for a while when I don't have to be away training I'm like nope this is this is what's important now and I'm just in the moment with the family and that really has been working well for me these past few seasons and what's kind of your like mental check to make sure you know you're checking out of one area and checking into the other because they can at times maybe tend to seep in unexpectedly unexpectedly yeah, for sure it can. And I think the biggest mental check is when I feel that anxiety creeping in for me, that's like, okay, something, something needs to change. The balance needs to come a little back to center. If, if I'm feeling off, I need to recheck and figure out what I'm going to do to balance myself again. And I kind of like what you said here. Like you can, if things are t tipping, like anxieties and stuff are coming in, that's kind of your mental note that, okay, let's figure out what's happening, what's going on, let's kind of recenter. Whereas you can find a lot of, especially high performance athletes, entrepreneurs, whatever it may be that they get so sucked in, into that area. And like you said, kind of just starts to tip, tip and almost, and eventually tips over where they yeah. have not corrected it. And that's where, you know, you start seeing success and then the decline starts to happen. You wonder what went, what went wrong. Right. Um, so I find like what you're saying, it's very important to see what the tipping point is and making sure we don't go past the tipping point to get us back um, back in line into the balancing off your board again. So I, I agree with what you're saying and very easier said than done, especially as a parent. And I know the kids are probably grabbing at you, mommy, mommy, all the attention, especially being away for probably periods of time. So um, yeah, very easier said than done, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. So, and then outside of that, um, maybe what are some of your other other hobbies uh, while you're away from sport? Maybe you're, you're interacting with the family uh, and friends as a social as a social uh, so the social stuff uh, part of your life. Um, I just love getting out and doing anything active. So I really try and bring that into raising my kids as well. So especially in the winter. It, I think it's really important to have outdoor activities that you love to do because we have cold winters here in Alberta. So you need to embrace that. So I get the kids out cross-country skiing. Um, my oldest has started snowboarding and skiing downhill. So that's really exciting. And I just like to get out on uh, the motorcycle, on my pedal bike, run, hike, anything outside and active. That's what I'm all about. And that's what I kind of am forcing on my family too. So that's awesome. I like what you say. You got to You got to embrace, embrace it. You know, some people might come down to your neck of the woods and be like, oh, this is too cold. I got to stay inside. But I think, you know, going through something like COVID, that being outdoors and just moving, whatever, wherever, however that may come for you, whether it's walking, like you said, uh, maybe a dirt bike or motorcycle or hiking, whatever it may be, I think is very uh, therapeutic uh, for us oh, as humans. Yeah. And I think we we learned that as time stands still a little bit that we need more of this and we're go, go, go all the time. But uh, sit back, get out and just enjoy some of that fresh air is very important. For sure. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad clothes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. 
And then I like what you said here with regards to like some of your strength uh, training stuff. Um, you hinted on like social, whether it's Zoom, I mean, social media, we get to interact with people that we maybe don't get to see regularly or we get to communicate um, to bring them into our social circles. And I see you have here, like doing your strength training, you get to, you bring the kids and they're part of kind of your, your journey and what you're doing. Um, so maybe talk me through a little bit of how that might, how that comes, uh, as part of your family life. Yeah. So that works really well. Um, Canada snowboard works really great with members to try and try and set them up for success with, with how much we have to travel and train for when we're home. So uh, my strength and conditioning coach can do my sessions through Zoom, which is awesome. So it's one less thing I have to go away for. So I'm home and I can do them in my house. And yeah, my kids can be a part of it. And it's so great for them to see what I'm doing and to take part in it too. And and it's, it's just such a healthy thing to do as a family. And I love that I can incorporate the kids into that through Zoom and not have to be going away for my strength and conditioning training as well. So it's getting that done while having the family time. So that's a really great balance right there. I, I totally, I, I love it because there's the kind of the crossover, but it's a health, let me see, a healthy crossover where you have a little bit of your, your athlete and high performance stuff mixed with the family stuff. And together you get to kind of do it together as, as one. And I mean, as a mother, uh, as an athlete, people are always looking up to you. So to have uh, your kids involved, uh, I mean, you know, you're kind of guiding the way, um, healthy lifestyle, uh, just movement in general, um, lots of good uh, comes from observing, um, you know, your role models uh, doing what they love to do. So um, I hope people are inspired to have their kids join them or watch them while they're, you know, maybe they're doing a, a fitness class, whatever it may be on Zoom, as we've kind of tra transitioned a little bit with regards to online um, content and doing stuff at home. Absolutely. Um, so with regards to, I want to get into kind of the, the mental side of stuff. And I mean, obviously at a young age, there's probably a lot of obstacles, uh, adversities, um, you had to face, um, maybe talk me back to when you were younger and how, I mean, how kids react to your three years old when you had your surgery. Um, you know, how did kids react? How did you react? I'm sure it built in you. Uh, unconsciously a natural resiliency um, to, um, you know, achieve your goals or overcome obstacles. So maybe walk me through the the mental stuff, the emotional stuff as a young age and leading up to kind of now. For sure. So yeah, there was definitely obstacles when I was younger. Um, a lot of people, especially if they didn't know me, just assumed that I couldn't do a lot of things. So I've always been really competitive, even as a child, and that just gave me the drive to, to prove everyone wrong and, and to go out and, and yeah, do everything the best I can and, and just show them that I can do everything they can. And sometimes it looks a little bit different, but I can figure out a way to do a lot of things that people think I wouldn't be able to do. And I think I watched a little bit of a clip with you and your coach and he was saying like, you guys are pretty much, you know, you're on the snowboard and, you know, I'm sure they get surprised with some of the things you guys can do just as well, if not better than um, someone who, you know, is functioning all, all around, so to speak. Um, 
I almost get a little bit intimidated sometimes that if I were to come out, uh, you'd probably make me look really, really bad. Not that I'm good at snowboarding, but I'm sure in other, in other things as, as well. Um, I'm sure people, some people wouldn't even know the difference because of the capabilities you guys have or the underestimating of what you guys are capable of. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so I think, yeah, kudos, kudos to you guys, to, um, especially at a young age. It's so, um, it's interesting to see so, some of the, the mental stuff that you guys probably don't know you're going through, but you are with overcoming some of these, these obstacles. Um, and then now being where you are here, like, wow, this was meant to be struggles, the adversity, uh, the hard work was meant to be because I'm here, here today. Do you ever go back and kind of reflect, reflect on some of those moments as a kid, teen, young adult to where you are now? Yeah, I do for sure. I, I think about that a lot when I'm having a rough day on the hill to think how far I've come and what I've done. And it's like, yeah, I can do this. I've, I've struggled through a lot of things and I'm tough and I've made it this far and I can push through this too. It gives a lot of mental grit. And from talking to you just, just briefly here, I can see you're very, I'd say the word's kind of focused uh, on what you do. And obviously passion's a big, big part of that. But um, the one thing I was reading here is, especially as someone who's, um, you know, had a crucial surgery, the word that comes to mind and you, and you um, mentioned here in some of the notes I'm reading is frustration. Um, when people hear the word frustration, it's usually a negative connotation to it. Um, yeah. But I want to kind of bring light to it uh, as you use it here. Um, it's almost as if it's used it as a driver, uh, as a positive fuel uh, for when you're competing, training, um, maybe walk us through what that word means to you and how you use it to fuel yourself, um, through, uh, everyday life competition. Uh, yeah. Let me know a little bit about that. Sure. So <clears throat> I guess just growing up, frustration is something you're going to come across when you're missing a leg. There's going to be frustrating things that happen. I mean, sometimes my foot would break. Sometimes I get a snowboard boot stuck on my leg. There's always things in everyday life that people wouldn't even think about if you're not missing a leg so um I've learned to just use it yeah as like oh this is a challenge okay I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that challenge instead of looking at it as something knocking me down it's nope this is another thing that I'm gonna surpass and it's gonna make me stronger and in looking at it that way it's just it's easier to have that positive mindset to drive forward instead of looking at it as a block. It's like, no, how am I going to get over that? And I'm going to be stronger when I get over that. And that's a, and I find people frust frustration is a make or break for people, you know, the frustration I'm quitting or I'm frustrated, but I'm over, I'm going to overcome it. And yeah. I think, you know, um, reevaluating what a word means to you is very important, important to overcome uh, these obstacles. And I find when you're frustrated, all it means is you're getting very close to achieving you know that outcome that goal so if you just stick in there a little bit longer you know um good things are about to happen but can yeah. you make it past that little hump to get there so i think um for those who are listening words are very important how we use them and how we think about them and the meaning we give to them um mentally uh is very important to help us overcome some of these obstacles. So I just wanted to bring that word to light because you hear it all the time. I'm frustrated. I can't do this. I can't do that. Yada, yada, yada. But it's actually, yeah. it can be such a positive uh, experience once you overcome 
the little curveball at hand. I see you do a lot of prep with regards to the mental side of things and mental preparation through your sport, uh, visualization. Maybe talk us through, I always go, I would like to ask the athlete like pre-game or pre-run, what's your kind of routine? A lot of athletes say, oh, I don't have a routine, but I always say, if you don't have a routine, it's a routine in itself uh, to keep yourself relaxed and make sure no negative stresses or vibes get inside. So what's kind of your pre-game, pre-run routine that you maybe do to get yourself, uh, we like to call in flow state or in the zone and ready to go? Yeah, for sure. So for myself, I've realized that I often need to bring my energy up before getting into training or a race, especially in the morning, like before I'm actually in the gate ready to drop in. So I love to just blast whatever music I'm into at the time in my hotel room, have a dance party as I'm getting ready. And just, it really pumps me up and makes me feel strong. And just really keeping that positive visualization of how I want the day to go. It's really easy to let things creep in, especially On whichever course, there's always parts that are giving me trouble. And it would be so easy to just on replay think about, oh, what if this happens? This is going to happen. This kept happening in practice. And to really be aware of that and be able to shut that off and just think, nope, it's going to be a good run. My body knows what to do. I'm as prepared as I can be. And I really focus on going through that run in my head, especially if I'm feeling worried or nervous about parts of it that weren't working out I just switch the narrative and tell my brain nope we're thinking about how it is going to look how the perfect run would look how my body feels making the moves how I'm supposed to make them and that just flips the switch on on having the confidence going in thinking okay yeah this is going to be good and while you're doing that is it something you like like you said you like to get amped up kind of before the race yeah Uh, but if these things start to seep in is it like kind of take time to yourself and just kind of, you know, close your eyes and get back focused? Or is it kind of walk and talk, you know, you know, these things are seeping in, but you're just, you're going through your daily stuff or your, your pregame stuff and just uh, self-talk in your head. How do you kind of channel that? Or is it, yeah, is it like a more quiet thing or is it you're going and you're, you're just correcting uh, the self-talk that's right. going on? So it would depend on the situation. If it's just training, then probably just as I'm out and about, I just correct that self-talk. If it's a race and if if it's something that I'm really having a hard time harnessing, then that is, yeah, for sure. When I'll sit and, and actually give my full attention to that on changing my mindset. So while you're in race, is it like, are you, is there chatter in your head while you're racing or are, I mean, like you said, every race is a little bit different. But if things are seeping or things are not going the way you want, is there self-talk while you're actually racing or when you're racing, you're just racing? How does that work with regards to your mindset and the the mental side of things? So definitely it's before, like the, one of the most nerve wracking parts is when you're, you're in the gate, it's the countdown to pulling out of the gate and your heart's pounding and you're just trying to keep your cool and trying to keep those positive things in your mind where it's really easy to let your mind get away from you right there. So that's when I'm trying to use that visualization and self-talk to distract me from, from actually pulling out of the gate. At that time, I try and 
trick myself that I'm not really even in a race and use all that positive stuff to distract me from what is actually about to happen. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Always, yeah, tricking the brain. That's anything you can do to, um, you know, flick that switch. Um, but I also liked what I, I liked what you said as well before, like, it's always nice to visualize, you know, the good, the positive run. Um, but where this might fall in your routine, I guess it's different for everyone, but to know that, you know, mistakes are made, things happen to, you know, whether it's visualization, whether it's just, you know, calming yourself to go through maybe some scenarios where, okay, well, what if my turn isn't quite as good as I want it to be? Well, now I'm in not such a good situation. How do I rebound back? And uh, you kind of talked a little bit about that, but um, talk about the importance of um, some of the mistakes that might be made in order to get yourself back on track into that that zone, that flow, nice flow state. Right. So, so yeah, with my sport uh, therapist, especially we do, we talk about, so what happens if we do all this positive self-talk, you're all prepared for the race and then something happens, you crash, you make a mistake. How do you bounce back from that in a positive way? And um, for me, it's really bringing it back to, um, to fun, like, it, it all has to come back to fun. It, at some at some degree, everyone's doing something because they enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, especially sport, um, there's not really a reason for you to be there. So when I think about um, not having a great run in a course, I, I bring it back to that and find where, where the motivation, where the positivity comes back to. And for me, it's fun. So I just, I try and take all the pressure off. I think I've done everything I can to prepare for these races. I've worked hard. Um, I'm doing all of the mental prep I can, all of the physical prep. And if things still don't turn out the way they should have, then I, I, I kind of zoom out and look at the bigger picture and think I'm all over the world snowboarding and getting paid to snowboard. And whether this race turned out how I wanted it to or not, I'm having the time of my life being out here. And and I did the best I could, and we're gonna we're gonna build on those lessons. But I'm not gonna beat myself up over what happened because I was as prepared as I could be. And at the end of the day, it's such an amazing experience, and it's it's such an honor to be able to be out there riding for Canada. That I gotta I gotta put it in perspective and be like, you know what? It's still a great day to walk away from, even if a big mistake was made on the course. And I think this is like a common theme that gets brought up uh, with athletes and it's just, yeah, fun enjoyment. Uh, I always bring it back to my performance engine, uh, you know, mental, physical, you drop into, you know, fun, enjoying what you do, acceptance, accepting the outcome, accepting that this isn't going to be easy, but it's going to get me to the next level to what I call enthusiasm, where we're setting goals, small, short-term goals, stepping stone goals, big goals, dreams. Uh, to accomplish uh, the task at hand, whether it's, you know, the gold medal or, you know, just having an experience. Yes, it wasn't the best, but we had an experience and that's going to make us better athletes, better people uh, in the end. And I think this just kind of hones into what you're saying, being present, being in the moment, and that's where you feel good. This is a great segue into kind of goal setting. Um, <clears throat> With Paralympian and Olympian athletes, we all know it's the process of four years, um, which I think it just takes a special individual <laughs> and um, 
to set goals with regards to such long-term uh, four years and breaking them down. Um, some of the discussions I've had with other athletes, we kind of talk about on my performance engine, performance engine enthusiasm when you set a goal. Um, so maybe if you can, you might be able to relate uh, or maybe talk to athletes that come across this where you set that four-year goal. I want to reach the Olympics. I want to win a gold medal but you get so fixated on that long-term goal that it almost becomes detrimental detrimental to you throughout the process because you're now not living in the present moment and seeing the little obstacles, the little outcomes that you um, are making or maybe not making because you're so fixated on the long-term goal at hand, especially four years away um, where a lot of athletes, you know, realize they're struggling because they're too they're looking too far ahead although it's important to set that goal we have to start breaking them down so my question is how do you break down those goals and how do you not get too fixated on that big dream that big moment which is so important but we don't want to lose sight of the day-to-day month-to-month year-to-year goals for sure so yeah you're right like fixating on that four-year goal can be really intimidating um with me being so new to the competitive team as well it was a it was a big intimidating goal to look at trying to make the Paralympic team so it was really important to break it down into small steps that that yeah we could celebrate little victories and I had a lot of little steps to go to get to the Paralympic Games and my coaches were really supportive as well they they also realized that we need to break this down small for Lisa so that she can have a lot of successes so we can try and try and get there. Um, so we did. We, we really broke things down into steps. And sometimes even those goals, maybe we'd start working on them and those weren't achievable. So we would break them down even smaller so that, so that we would stay enthusiastic about it and we would have those successes to celebrate. And it, it's really important, I think, to, to have achievable goals that you can have success with and that's the only way for me to to stay positive and want to work towards that four-year goal for sure and I think it's a good point that you made and I always say to some of the athletes um you know we don't we never fail or not achieve a goal sometimes we've just misplaced it on our timeline where you know we set you know after a month I want to do this or I want to have this time and then you don't achieve it well Maybe it wasn't a maybe a month was too short. Maybe you had to give you should give yourself two or three months. And I find that um, you got to be careful. You don't get too hard on yourself uh, with maybe not necessarily achieving that. It was just misplaced uh, on what I call your your timeline. And a lot of times, yeah, you you achieve a goal maybe a little later down the road, and you realize ah, you know, I can check this one off, but I just didn't place it quite where it was supposed to be. Uh, so it's not I failed or I didn't accomplish it. It was just reevaluate. Like you said, we make sure it's attainable and reevaluate some of these goals. Um, and as professional athletes, injuries get in the way. Um, outside stuff, whether it's family, um, other social things, can you know prolong some of these goals and when they're supposed to ha- when they're supposed to happen. So I think it's very important, like you said, to. Um, just be aware of when you're setting the goals and how you're setting them. That's very important. Uh, I think as a uh, high performance athlete, I want to, I want to get right into it. Now the, 
the big day. I know it seems like you were itching, itching for so many years to, you know, get on the Paralympic snowboarding team and all the blood, sweat and tears. And now the team you're accepted and um, the big stage is there for you to take. So just walk me through from however you want, however you want to do it, from beginning to end, some emotions, feelings, um, all I call them all the feel good stuff. Um, bring us into your world for that day, that week, however it worked out for you. For sure. So it was, it was absolutely crazy actually being able to go. I had to keep pinching myself because it didn't feel real that I was actually at the Paralympics in China, um, especially with COVID and everything. It felt, um, it felt like we were pretty privileged to be able to travel and be over there with so much going on in the world. And that really put things into perspective for us and, and kind of brought everybody together, just, just one humanity. And I mean, that's kind of what the games are for is to, to bring the world together, to leave politics and everything aside. And mm -hmm. I think we really felt that this year with everything going on. And it just made everyone want to try harder and do their best and everyone to, to show the world, I guess, what we can do. So it was a really neat experience being there and um, going into it, I, I felt really strong, but I had been racing the girls I was up against all season. So I kind of knew where I was generally sitting. Anything can happen, but there's usually somewhat of a order to things. And with that order, I, I didn't think I would be meddling. So I kind of set like attainable goals for myself of where I hoped to be and something that I felt like I would be able to do. And for me, that was hoping to be in the top five, maybe four riders there. So um, the snowboard cross race, when I made it to the final round and I was top four and there was the last four of us to race down the course, I was just like, this is just a fun run now. Yeah, like I've, yeah. I've exceeded my goals. These are the strongest women in the world. I've never beat any of them. So I'm going to go out there and think I'm riding one of, the, one of the best snowboard courses made. I'm in China. I'm at the Paralympics. All my family and friends are watching back home. And I'm just going to go out and enjoy the course. And I think I went into such a flow state and I took all the pressure off myself that I just, I rode better than I've ever ridden before. And when I crossed the finish line in second, I was... I was in shock. Like I, I had to look back and I'm like, no, there's no way. There's no way I did that. And then watching the videos on replay, um, going around the first turn, me and another girl actually make contact when I'm blocking her on, on a turn. And I normally, if, if I kind of knew that was coming, it would have intimidated me and I probably would have kind of backed off because that's where some pretty gnarly crashes can happen. And I was so in my zone and so focused on my line and what I was doing to make my perfect run that I don't even remember that. Like I was in such tunnel vision of what I needed to do. It was it was the perfect run. And it's definitely like that true pure flow that people talk about where you are just totally in the moment. Um, like my thinking brain was totally shut off. My body and brain were just on autopilot. They knew what I needed to do and I was just out there enjoying it. And it was just such an amazing experience. Oh my goodness. I can't, ah, oh, it's, you pretty much summed up this magical state of what we call flow and in one run. And 
that's why I like talking to the you guys as athletes because you don't I you don't know this as a spectator um, watching. You're just seeing you go down the hill. Uh, in your case, zigzagging and and stuff where you don't really know where your your head's at. And like you said, you didn't expect to be in the top uh, three or four, and now you're there. And how everything just kind of disappeared. Uh, to sometimes athletes have injuries and you have no idea, and then they overcome them. And it's it's these stories I why I like doing this and talking to athletes because they come to light, um, and just so it's so inspirational uh to hear but like flow state it's just a topic i love talking about and you basically like summed it up into a nice gift and put a bow on it with regards to everything just disappearing living in the moment no pressure feeling free like um i'm jealous <laughs> but what a great what a great experience uh that might have that must have been for you and your family and yeah Give me a little bit of a lowdown on, you know, maybe when you called your family or you're, you're on video with them and the emotions that uh, that they maybe had for you. Yeah, so as, as soon as I passed the finish line, um, it was all being recorded live. So I was able to wave and say hi to all my family and friends. And then it, it actually happened to be at like 8.30 p.m., like Alberta time when I was racing in China. So it was really awesome. So as soon as I finished the race and went through all the formalities and talked to all the media, I was able to call my family and friends and just, yeah, the energy and to be able to talk to them. And it's like, we did it. It was, it was so amazing, especially there, there wasn't spectators in China. So to be able to make that phone call and the fact that they were watching it happen live too, it was, it was the neatest experience to live with them. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's truly, truly amazing. I like how you embraced, you know, Yes, there's no fans, but, um, you know, to make that phone call, to get that connection, um, very important. And, you know, as if they were probably there watching you the whole time, right? Yeah. Um, so with all the all the, the magic that goes in the Olympics, I always like to ask my athletes, like, you know, representing Canada, putting on anything with the Maple Leaf is very special um, as any individual, whether it doesn't matter what sport it is. And Talk to me about that because that's that's just a special moment. Like you said, whether you get a gold medal, whether you don't, to represent your country is an accomplishment in itself. Um, you can't take that away from any Olympian. So yeah, talk to me about putting on that Olympic jersey or that Canadian jersey and how you feel representing yourself, your friends, your family, your nation, all of the above. Yeah, it's a huge deal putting on that jersey, and it's it is. It's such a privilege and. I hope the feeling never goes away. Like I'm just in awe every time, every time I get to put that jersey on. It's like this is really happening, and it is. It's it's so amazing to be able to represent Canada and and to hopefully be an inspiration to kids out there as well, especially kids with disability, to see to see us going out there and crushing it, and to see how strong we are and how confident we are. And for, it's so important for kids to see that because. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of that growing up until I was in my 20s because, well, partially because social media wasn't such a big thing then, but that would have been a game changer for me in a lot of areas to, to see other people out there doing these things and knowing that all of this was out there as well. So I really hope that it's also making a difference um, to have that platform and riding for Canada that, that we're also giving back as well. 
a hundred percent. And I think you you said it right, especially just a little bit um, in the beginning there. Bringing in, bringing nations together, overcoming what is going on uh, in the world. I always say the power sport community and how it brings everyone together. And you know, you don't necessarily have to be a snowboarder or um, be an amputee to get inspiration from you guys as well. It can be come from all from all from all over and. It might just be somebody just having a, a not such a good day to see you compete, to hear you talk, uh, to give them a little bit of a of a boost. Um, and then as well as just touching on what you said, like giving kids, um, young adults, adults um, to know to, that, you know, you Paralympians, the confidence you guys have and the things you can do, um, anything is possible uh, if you put your mind to it. And, there's a lot of people out there that are 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 doing it. Uh, so to see you guys live on this on the television, uh, also through uh, media, whether it's podcasts, interviews, I think yeah, it's very important. And I'm glad we have these outlets now that we can you guys can shed your light to those who are listening, watching, dreaming uh, of one day becoming an Olympian, a Paralympian, um, you know, just a good person overall, right? So I'm truly inspired uh, by your story, and I hope others that are going to listen can get snippets from it, whether it's some of the mindset stuff, some of the family stuff, uh, a lot, you've shed a light on a lot of different components um, of, like we were talking, our balance board, uh, that uh, I hope people are inspired and can take away um, because it's truly, uh, people need to hear it, you know? So I just want to thank you, Elisa, for coming on and uh, sharing um, a little bit of your story and um, let the story continue uh, to make more memories, setting new goals, new chapters uh, in your career, snowboarding, family, uh, and whatever else to come. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.